So, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking out the time. It's really kind of interesting how we have run into each other in different places virtually. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really, it was really, I, I would have to call it serendipitous that um, mm-hmm. we have connected. So it's great to see you here. I'm going to read a little bit about um, what I got from your website, but then I'd love it if you could just um, elaborate a little more. Amazing. So cool. Alex McRobbs is the owner of, of the Mindful Practice and host of Soba, Sober, Soba. Yeah, just had <laughs> Japanese food, sorry. <laughs> Sober Yoga Girl podcast. Alex is a former party girl turned sober yoga girl with a 500-hour registered yoga teacher and certified life coach. So would you like to add anything to that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for, be- er, for having me on the show. I'm super happy to be here. So I am Canadian originally. I was raised in Toronto and I am actually in Toronto right now, but I don't live here normally. So I left home when I was 23. And I moved to Kuwait and I lived in Kuwait for a couple of years, tiny country in the Middle East, very conservative, um, had a really interesting couple of years there. And then I lived in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates for four years. And that was amazing. And during the pandemic, I, so I always dreamed of starting a yoga business, but I just didn't know how to do it. And I ended up creating an online yoga community through the pandemic and I'm just over three years sober. And so I was about one year sober when the pandemic started and I had kind of built up this online community of people in the realm of sobriety. And then, then it just naturally turned into this sober yoga recovery community basically. And so I ended up quitting my teaching job about a year ago in June of 2021. And then I moved over to Bali and now I live in Bali, but I run yoga retreats all around the world and run a Zoom yoga community. Wow, that is really cool. So one thing I I just wanted to throw in there, I'm also Canadian. (laughs) Where are you? Are you, you're in the Pacific. uh, I'm actually, I'm in California right now, Um, but I grew up in Canada. Uh, so you grew up in Toronto. I don't know if you're familiar with Cambridge, but I grew up in Cambridge. Yeah. I still have a sister who lives in this saga. So. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Cool. So one more thing <laughs> that we That's have so in cool. common. That is so funny. So, okay. So you'd ha- actually led into one of the questions I was going to ask you about is your online sober girls yoga community. So let me just backtrack a little bit. Yeah. So what was the turning point for you that really made you decide to get sober? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was a huge party girl all my life. I was raised in Canadian drinking culture. So it was normalized for me and, you know, family and friends drinking and where my drinking really accelerated, there were a ton of things happening. I had been through a pretty stressful and traumatic time in my two years living in Kuwait. And, um, I also, I also think that I was just like really unhappy with like not living my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I was a school teacher and I just 
hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I love teaching. I love teaching. If it, if I was actually just teaching, I would like being a teacher, but I wasn't just teaching. <laughs> I was dealing with like the drama, the disrespect, you know, managing a room of, you know, 30 kids and then their 30 parents and the politics of working in a school, the gossip. It was just, there were so many things about that were not actually what I signed up for, which was mm. teaching. And the stress of working, you know, this, I get up in the morning at six and drop, commute half an hour into work and stay at work for nine hours. And then I would, after work, I would go all over the city doing yoga classes. So teaching yoga, teaching spin, teaching bar. And I was also had private yoga clients. And so I would be out in my house for like 13 hour work days. Like it was just madness. So I think there were a ton of different things happening in my life. Like, you know, this unprocessed trauma and this party girl history. And then just this general unhappiness with like, is this all there is to life? And I hit a point where I was drinking every day and I was binging on the weekends and I kind of was slowly coming <laughs> to a head with like, I can't do this anymore. Like I was, I had hit the point where I was just getting so drunk that I was, you know, I was hungover going into work. I was so in debt I, you know, I didn't make a lot of money as a teacher to begin with, but then I was spending it in like the most expensive party city in the world, <laughs> Dubai. Mm. And I kind of hit this point in April of 2019. I was actually on a vacation with my mom to Morocco and I just kind of decided like, this is, this is going to be it. And so when I was flying back to Abu Dhabi, it was just going to be one, it was just going to be 28 days sober. That was the plan. Um, I signed up for an online 28 day sober challenge, joined a group. And then I actually experienced pretty big withdrawals. And part of that was that I had a mood disorder and was on mood stabilizers and I had been drinking, you know, every night. And so I went through, I had these panic attacks, was in depressive episode for like the first five days. And it was mm. almost as bad as like, I had had really serious depression a couple years before. And like my withdrawal from alcohol was almost as bad as that. And when I finally made it through to about two weeks sober and everything got amazing, I was like, holy crap, I can like never do that again. And that was enough to keep me sober. So um, I, I really dug into my, you know, online sober community and got into my spiritual practice and got really devoted to my, to building my, all my career in yoga. And then, um, and then that was it. So um, did you find that some of the people in building your community, did you find that some of the people who are already your clients kind of eased into that community or did you just get a whole different set of people? That's a great question. So my, the mindful life practice originally started in March of 2020. We did our first, or must've been April, 2020. We did our first 30 day yoga challenge. And that was purely based on my clients that I had built up in uh, all over my yoga career, like in Canada, Kuwait, Abu Dhabi. And some of those people still remain part of my community, even though it's mostly pivoted into like a sober focus. And so we still have people that are not a hundred percent sober, but we also had a lot of people who kind of followed along and were like, Hmm, that seems really interesting. Like I want to give that a go. And so there were actually quite a few people from the beginning who like, I remember one person saying to me, she was going to be sober because like everyone else was doing it <laughs> because just so many sober people like came into the community. 
And so it's, it's kind of a mix. I would say 90% of the community is sober at this point, but we also have people that aren't, and we have yoga classes that are open to everyone. So I basically have two separate types of yoga. I have the mindful classes and the sober classes. And so anything that's mindful is open to anyone. And mm-hmm. we don't talk about sobriety and we just do yoga and anything that's called sober is just for the sober curious people. And we include a little sober check-in before we start the yoga. So yeah, that's a great question. No one's asked me that before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, because that sounds, that actually sounds pretty interesting. And then one of the things that you said is actually, this is just, it's kind of, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that commercial where, you know, the person's head explodes and then it's all purple stuff coming out of their head. I'm, I'm having that moment right now because that one line you said is something that is like on my site. Is there, is this all there is to life mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. is there more than this, mm-hmm. you know, or is this all there is? Because I think there's so many people who they're moving through life at a comfortable rate, yeah. but they're asking that question on a regular basis for different reasons. So whether it's, I'm not living, I'm not living the life I believe I'm meant to live. I'm living somebody else's dream or, you know, there's just gotta be more than this. I'm, I'm getting up and it feels like groundhog day, (laughs) you know? So I, I really um, relate to that because that's one of the things that I find a lot that even though people are, they're comfortable, they're making things work, they're making things happen, but it's not, they're not living their dream. They're not in totally. that space. Like you were just saying, yeah, I'm teaching and I hated it because it's not turning out, you know, like what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And I can even relate to that on a different level, you know, working in corporate because that is not my dream, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, and the job that I'm in right now, technically is not what I signed up for, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think that there are a lot of us out there who have that same kind of feeling and then make a pivot to do something different, to do totally. something that's really kind of more soul fulfilling. So let me ask you this, you kind of, And you did pretty much touch on this because you said you really wanted a career in yoga. And so do you feel like right now that you're living your dream of being an entrepreneur? Yes, 100%. Was there more to that question? Did I just cut you off? No, no, no. I just wanted to um, let you elaborate on that because, you know, it takes a lot of courage to walk away from something that you know, something that whether you like it or not is comfortable to jump into this is really what I want to do. And I'm just going to go do it. (laughs) And not only am I going to go do it, I'm going to go do it in a different country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that was, I'd say that was the hardest thing for me was leaving my teaching job and leaving the comfort and the familiarity and the consistency of that. And that's been the hardest part for me is like the unpredictability of the instability of running a business. However, Mm -hmm. sometimes get bogged down in like these tiny details and I just forget how amazing my 
my reality actually is. Like, I think it's like, you know, things just set in to become normal and you just forget. And the other day I actually ended up doing this woman was looking for someone to uh, be her practice life coaching client. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. I'll do that. And so I jumped on the call with this person and she was like in my shoes three years ago, basically. So three years ago, I was doing the same life coaching course and I was talking about my problems. <laughs> like my problems are like, you know, how I'm, I need to set up a plan for my life and fit in all my yoga and spin between like my swimming in Bali. <laughs> and I was like listening to myself talk. And I was like, oh my gosh, when I was in her shoes three years ago, this was my dream to be living in Bali and not working a nine to five and being able to teach whenever, set my own schedule, teach whenever I want, do whatever I want, enjoy my freedom, enjoy nature. And I just need to like, never forget that, like never allow myself to be ungrateful for this like incredible life that I've been able to create. So when you were talking to her, did you give her your perspective on everything that you've done? And like, she found herself saying, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm where you were. So can you tell me how to get to where you are? <laughs> well, she said to me, she said something like, you're, you're like living every person's dream. Like when I explained, she was like, where do you live? And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, my company's based in Dubai, but I live in Bali and I'm just like in North America right now. And like, <laughs> I just listened to myself talk and I was like, wow, like this is just amazing. And so it was cool to just kind of have that experience to like, to be reflected back to me. Yeah. So you said your company is actually based in Dubai? Yeah. So I started the company in Dubai because I was planning on staying there. And it was like, as soon as I got, I think I was, it was one of those things of like, I was afraid to jump off the deep end and go somewhere new, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I got it going and I spent about three months setting it up. And then I realized that I could, so I, I have what's called a free zone company in Dubai, which basically means I can run it from anywhere in the world. Oh, and, okay. um, and I didn't realize that when I was setting it up and then I ended up, uh, I work remotely. So I go back and forth to Dubai from time to time just to do like business related things, but I'm, uh, most of the time in Bali. Yeah. Sweet. So how do you feel like traveling the world, um, and living in different countries has changed your, well, not only just changed your life cause you've given us that, but how mm -hmm. has it changed, changed your perspective on life? So I think I have a lot more compassion and a lot more empathy and a lot more open-mindedness than I used to. And I want to give you an example of this, that I was actually speaking today about something like this with, um, I was talking to my uncle about how, when I was, when I first moved to Kuwait, we used there was someone, I noticed how many things were spelt incorrectly, like signs had English translations with spelling errors. And I remember one of my colleagues saying that she wanted her job to just be to go around the world and fix signs with incorrect English spelling. I thought it was so funny. And after so many years of living overseas, I now have this appreciation of like those people speak one language and then they've learned English yes. on top of that. And so a lot of the people that support me in my work, like my podcast producer is in the Philippines. So his first language is not English. And my assistant manager is in Abu Dhabi. So his first language is Arabic. And working with them, there are there's spelling errors and there's also misinterpretations of like sayings. And I feel mm -hmm. that I have more patience for it 
than the average person. Like people email me all the time saying they're seeing spelling errors on my website as if it like disturbs them so much that they like (laughs) want to contact me. And I feel like I have so much appreciation for like, you know, it it really doesn't matter because the point is hitting home and these people are, you know, it's an additional language. And I feel like that's just the smallest little perspective shift that I feel, you know, eight years ago, I didn't have that perspective on, on the world. So while you were away, did you learn Arabic? Did you learn any Arabic? Shway shway, which means little, little. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in Kuwait, I had more of an opportunity to learn it. I actually picked it up naturally because all my students spoke Arabic. All the parents spoke Arabic and it was in my everyday dialogue. And so it would just seep into conversation. Like, like Yani is like, you know, and Habibi is my love. And, um, and so I would just say these words. And then when I moved to Dubai, it's actually such a global place. So Mm -hmm. nine out of 10 people in Dubai are from elsewhere in the world. So I actually wasn't really exposed to as much Arabic there. In Bali, I am taking Balinese classes, which I really enjoy. So I have a Balinese teacher who comes to my house every week for like a couple of hours. And like, we don't get very far into the lessons because I'm always asking her, like, she'll be like teaching me like words for Balinese family. And I'll, I'll be like, oh, twins, is that common in Bali? Like, oh, divorce, is that common in Bali? <laughs> we just end up like talking. Um, but yeah, so I'm really, I really try to enjoy and embrace the local culture, but I'm also not the most like linguistically um, talented. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think that it's a challenge because I travel quite a bit and well, I, I actually did love um, Abu Dhabi and Dubai when I went. So I can relate to why you just really liked it there. Cause I was like, yeah, hmm, if I had to work here for a while, could I do it? And I was like, yeah, I think I could. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's really, um, it really is multicultural. Mm-hmm. I think unless you've been there, I think people have a, a misconception of what they're going to meet and what they're going to see. And, but when you get there, there's just, like you said, there's so many different people from so many different areas that totally it's just like, you get, you get an opportunity to see a lot of different cultures just in that one spot. So it's really, I think it's cool. (laughs) And I think just, um, learning because I when I whenever I'm traveling I try to learn like some of the basics in language of where I'm going so I can attempt to say a few things and and be polite and all that good stuff but I found Arabic very difficult (laughs) it's very hard it's very hard and so I was learning something called Arabese which Arabese uh, I learned was invented when the keyboards came out and they only had English lettering and so Arabese is basically phonetic, uh, what people hear from Arabic words spelt out in English letters. Oh. Um, and so that was what I was learning because the Arabic alphabet is just too complex for like a beginner like me. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was like, okay, can I just get down, please? Thank you in bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I just found that really difficult. And I think Turkish... Turkish is a close second, <laughs> but yeah, I had, um, I had a really good experience in Turkey. So where I had people kind of taking care of me because I had this really weird travel episode. So 
and they decided that they were going to teach me Turkish while I was there. So it was really cool. That's so sweet. (laughs) It really is. And I think that's one of the reasons that I do love traveling so much because people are so kind to me. I mean, I've heard horror stories from, you know, a lot of different places. And it's not that horror stories don't happen because horror stories happen in Canada. Horror stories happen in the States. Mm -hmm. So it's not just when you go somewhere else, right? But everywhere I have gone, I have been welcomed and, you know, treated well, helped when needed because I have a penchant for getting lost and, you know, they're like, yeah, go to a new place and get lost. I don't get lost on purpose. I just get lost. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been lucky enough to find somebody who's willing to help me Mm -hmm. find my way back and, and not, you know, not speaking the language is challenging, but Google translate is bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I have found that out. It's like, you don't have to learn that much anymore. (laughs) So I also know that um, because we are in a couple of the same communities, you are in Girls Love Travel, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I actually saw you in your story. And then we're both in um, the retreat program. So yeah. I haven't run any retreats yet, but I know you have. So why don't you tell us about your retreats? Yeah. So running yoga retreats was always a dream for me. And I was afraid that no one would sign up, which is why I just never tried to launch one. And it was something, so I actually signed up for that retreat program in 2020 when I kind it kind of like everything kept falling into my lap. So as soon as I got sober, it was like, everything was just falling into my lap. So I was working at this gym and the owners of the gym asked me to be the, the leader of their retreat program. And so this was like in the fall of 2019. So I was going around to all these um, hotels in Abu Dhabi and meeting with all these people. And I was actually getting like quite pissed off in behind the scenes. Cause I was doing so much work and mm. there was supposed to be like four people on the retreat program but, team, but it was like basically all me. So that's happening. And then I arranged a whole retreat to Nepal, Nepal, and we only got like nine people booked on for it, which I was hoping for more. So I found out about this retreat program. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna sign up for that. And then of course, the whole pandemic hit, the Nepal retreat never happened. I lost my job at that gym. I was no longer the retreat program coordinator. But what I learned from the whole thing was that I could do it. You know, like Mm. I could, I was more than capable of launching a retreat, having a sales page and filling it up. And so then the pandemic hit and I started running my online thing. And I think there was like still this fear. And what actually happened was I went away to a hotel for a holiday in Abu Dhabi And I happened to be at the pool, just like chatting with this man. And it turns out that he was like the general manager of the hotel and that his son was in grade three at the school in Kuwait when I taught there five years before. Yes, he's calling his son, being like, Miss McRoberts here. <laughs> I said, like in grade nine, he's like, I'm not going down that. But um, the GM connected with me on Instagram. He's like, wow, you have this yoga business. Like, let's run a yoga retreat. And so he was the one that that like initiated it. And it was like, him believing in me that got that potential going. Mm. And so all of my retreats were really small in Abu Dhabi. So I ran four retreats with their, their hotel behind me and they were just amazing. So the one side note I want to share about retreat in general is I found like that hotel was like an old hotel. It just wasn't that glamorous. There was nothing that special. It was in like this random town, but the way 
the people at that hotel treated my group and made us feel like we were the VIPs, but like the VIP delivery, cleaning out the ballroom, setting it all up. And there were only six of us, you know, they gave me like a free suite for myself in like Mm. the modern part of the hotel. Like it was just an incredible experience. And so I'm always recommending people to that hotel. But anyway, so I got my momentum going with them, had an incredible time, had four retreats. They were all small. And then when I moved to Bali, I, again, started hitting barriers because Bali then had a quarantine and I didn't Mm. know anyone in Bali. And so I couldn't run like a weekend retreat and I couldn't fly in anyone because it was like a seven day quarantine. So no Mm. one wanted to come. So I was trying to run retreats. They all kept failing. And then finally, one person signed up for my Bali retreat and I was like, oh my God, I have to like get some momentum going and I have to fill this retreat. And so I ended up having four women. It was incredible. And then my Mexico retreat actually sold out. So we had 12 women in Mexico. And I think that kind of speaks to where my clientele is based. So 60% of my clients are in the States. Mm -hmm. So a retreat down to Mexico was a lot more doable and realistic than, you know, flying 48 hours around the world to Bali. So I am going to be continuing to do Mexico retreats and Bali retreats and probably back in Dubai as well. But it has just been like so seamless and natural and come together so well. And I think that it shows that this is like what I'm meant to be doing basically. So you have actually found your Dharma. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So why don't you um, give a plug for yourself and, but also won't you plug that uh, was it the hotel? Is it Dubai or Abu Dhabi that the one is that you did your retreat at? That's a great question. So I find that I generalize and just say that I lived in Dubai because more people know where Dubai is, <laughs> but I lived in Abu Dhabi. And okay. so you've been to Abu Dhabi, so you know. Um, and so I lived in Abu Dhabi and this hotel, it's called the Al Ain Rotana. It's so it's in Al Ain, which is like this tiny little town, which when I say I have a retreat in Al Ain, people think I'm saying LA, like LA. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like the opposite of LA. Like, <laughs> it's like tiny town, but it's incredible. And I'll probably, I'm going to be going back there in October and hosting a weekend retreat for anyone that is Middle East based. Mm. So how far out of general, like the main area of Abu Dhabi is that? That's a great question. So I think it's about an hour and a half drive into the desert. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you were flying into um, Abu Dhabi's airport, which is like crazy huge, but you fly in there, then you have an hour and a half to get yeah. to this retreat. Yeah. And I can drive you. <laughs> Maybe not actually. I'll probably already be up in the desert, but we definitely could find some some transport. Cool. And well, and I'm asking these types of questions because I know that people listening are going to be in favor of going on retreat or they're mm-hmm. going to be in favor of finding the next new place to go. Right. Yeah. So I'm just kind of laying the foundation (laughs) for anybody who's listening. um, They want to hit up one of your retreats or if somebody actually wants to do a retreat and they never thought of that place, Mm -hmm. then maybe, you know, that's a place to go if it's in line with what you're, whatever you're teaching. Cause it sounds like that would be a nice place to go to rejuvenate um, for peace in, but you're not too far away if you need to do a day trip <laughs> mm-hmm, somewhere. Absolutely. So yeah, it sounds like that's a pretty 
some pretty cool areas. Now, let's talk about Bali because who doesn't want to go there? Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing my next Sober Girls Yoga Bali retreat in January. And that is a 10 day retreat. And it's mostly like it's, well, it's amazing. First of all, we'll be in the jungle in this tiny retreat center with our own yoga shala, private space. And the reason why it's now a 10 day retreat. So it was seven days this past year. And the general feedback from the group was like seven days is not enough time to see all the incredible, um, once in a lifetime things that you want to see in Bali, and then also have a balance of rest and restoring and time back at the hotel. And so I've lengthened out the program a little bit. So Mm. we get a nice balance of the adventure and the yoga and the coaching workshops and the community and connection. So that's a 10 day program. It's happening in January. And we have a couple of rooms left. We have about half of them booked right now. So if anyone is interested in joining, you don't have to be sober necessarily. You can be sober curious. You just have to be committing to be alcohol free for that week. Hmm. Okay. So where can people find you? Yes. Uh, the mindfullifepractice.com is where you can find me and you can find out about all of my upcoming retreats. There's also one more that I want to mention, the Mexico <laughs> manifestation. So I did the Mexico retreat this past um, June. That's actually what brought me back to North America. It was incredible. And that was fully booked. And so we're doing the same one again. And that's a week-long retreat in Todo Santos, which is on the Baja Peninsula. And that was an incredible week together of also women from all around the world. So that's another one. And it's all at the mindfullypractice.com. Okay, perfect. And then what about your socials? Yes. So my Instagram is Alex McGrobs. There's also Sober Yoga Girl Podcast where you can listen to my podcast and there is the Mindful Life Practice. So it sounds like you really have your hands full. (laughs) I do. (laughs) But in a good way, because I think even though it's work, it feel because it feels good and it fulfills purpose mm-hmm. that it, it, it feels worth it. So when you're putting in the time and you're putting in the effort, it just feels worth it. Mm-hmm. 100%. So is there anything else that maybe I didn't ask that you'd like the audience to know? I think that's it. Um, if anyone listening is sober curious and they're interested in trying out a sober yoga challenge, I do 30 day sober girls yoga challenges. And we actually have now developed it into a full year program. So we have 30 day challenge, 60 day journey. We have a 108 day recovery program and then a save community program. And so that's all in development right now. So if anyone is thinking like maybe sobriety would be something to try on, Definitely mm-hmm. shoot me a message and I can tell you more about that program. Okay. Well, that actually sounds pretty cool. Um, because there's nothing there's nothing better than knowing that you're in a good in the, in a nice supportive container mm-hmm. and where you're gonna get encouraged. So it sounds like that's that's really what you're building. That's what your tribe is about. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to do this interview with me. It's been lovely talking to you. Um, Thank you so much. And it just, I just think it's, I know that we're going to connect more. You know, I just, I just feel like we're totally going to connect more. Yes, I agree.